Hello and welcome to the Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Johnson. The Local Leaders Podcast provides a platform for successful business owners to share their stories, their experiences, their advice, and their ideas in order to help our listeners achieve more success in their business and in their lives. Get ready. Another great show is coming up. Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, this is Jeff Johnson, your host of the Local Leaders Podcast, and uh, we are here today on this Friday, the 13th, uh, talking with uh, with uh, Jonathan Bucklew, who is the co-founder and runs operations for the Joinery, which is a uh, down in Lakeland, Florida. And welcome, Jonathan. Thanks for being on the show this morning. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, we're we're absolutely excited about it. We uh, you know we talk to a lot of restaurant owners, uh, but we don't often uh, get as much of an opportunity to talk with uh, food um, businesses like yours, the eateries. Mm-hmm. The, the uh, and and I'll just stop talking and actually shift that gear back to you and let you tell us all about the joinery and and kind of what what uh, you know where the concept came from and what you guys are doing. Sure. Um. Well, to, uh, boy, that's it's kind of a long journey to how we got to where we are right now. Uh, my wife and I both used to have careers where we traveled a lot. I was uh, in the music industry. I played for an indie rock band, and we toured all over the world, all over the country for many, many years, um, and just kind of felt like a local in most cities. And uh, my wife traveled for a software company, and she would train on implementation and conversion and uh, so she was like a Monday through Friday road warrior, and I would be gone for maybe a month or two at a time and then home for a month or two. So uh, we were kind of just like this young, married, jet-setting, traveling, having fun couple mm-hmm. for probably the first, um, I don't know, seven, eight years of our marriage. And um, through those travels, we, could, we became design enthusiasts. We became foodies. We would eat at some of the best restaurants around the country and uh, stay in some of the coolest hotels. And I get to play at some of the coolest venues and uh, it was just a, a fun, adventurous life. And um, <clears throat> we we met and got married in Lakeland, Florida, which is where we're at right now, kind of a smaller town, kind of, a, I guess, a small, medium sized town right in between Tampa and Orlando, mm-hmm. uh, right off of the I-4 corridor. Um, and throughout of all of our travels, we would always think, man, maybe we should move here. Maybe we should move there. Oh, we loved some of the things you're doing in Kansas City. Oh, what about mm-hmm. Albuquerque or Northern California or Seattle or even Utah? I mean, so many places that we love and everything has every every different place has something amazing to offer. So um as my as as my kind of music industry career was sort of winding down around 2012-ish, uh, I started um, uh, a furniture company and I make handmade furniture and started to grow that while Sarah was still traveling quite a bit. And most of everything we sold was online. So, you know, again, we could move anywhere. And every time we thought about, okay, well, what, what if we go to Nashville? There's like a really cool, you know, uh, like vibe in East yeah. Nash and it's popping up and we have so many connections, so many friends, maybe we should go up there. Maybe we should go here. Every time we, we tried to think of a place we wanted to go, mm-hmm. uh, we just kind of landed on how much we love our community here in Lakeland. And we love what's happening here with young entrepreneurs and the business incubators that are getting developed here. The, the, um, the economic development council that we have here is just so 
uh, supportive of the entrepreneurs, the young entrepreneurs. A lot of our local business leaders are very supportive of that, uh, in, including, um, you know, the Publix company, which is here. That's the grocery store, the Southeast grocery mm -hmm. store. Um, you know, those guys put a lot of money and support and effort behind um, some of these organizations here, like Catapult, which is one of the business incubators. Um, so there are a lot of really cool businesses that were kind of coming to the surface. And as much as we like many things about other areas, we really love our community here. And we decided that maybe we should just be a part of trying to cultivate what we really missed about those other areas. Mm -hmm. And um, and we kind of, be, we, we view Lakeland as having the potential to kind of be the Austin of Florida, mm -hmm. where, you know, it's not, it's not your Dallas or Houston, but it's got something special about it that's its own draw and, I th and we really think lakeland has that um so our original vision was to take uh to try to develop um kind of a market kind of a concept where we thought we would have a shop for our furniture in a little showroom and mm -hmm. have a, have more of a local presence and then we'd have other artisans kind of rent out from us maybe some food maybe a restaurant and as we looked at many different locations and we started working with uh, the CRA, which is the Community Redevelopment Agency here in town, as to where there are grants and, and you know, which way is the river flowing and how do we step into that? Um, we looked at a, a few different redevelopment areas and ultimately landed where we are right now with the joinery. And the building that we landed in is 12,000 square feet. And it really didn't lend itself to being a furniture shop or a furniture showroom, but more of just a food hall. And we were referencing a place out in um, outside of Denver that we loved a lot called the Source, and it was one of the one of the cooler markets that we'd been to. Of course, we've been to a few like in Los Angeles and New York, and there's a cool one in D.C. And we've been to a lot of these like kind of food hall slash urban market concepts, but this one. We thought, okay, well, this is gonna be like a food hall and it had a brewery in it before. So there are brewery tanks. So it's gonna be a brewery and a food hall. And maybe instead of having a furniture shop and a showroom, the whole place will kind of be a showroom because we're gonna build all the furniture for it. And we're gonna basically make everything inside and kind of bootstrap it. So it will sort of be like a showroom for, you know, the work that we do at my furniture company, 1720, and it will be a food hall. And what we'll do is we'll curate by picking you know, the right restaurants and, and the chefs and restaurateur groups that we like, and we'll, we'll find the right brewery to come in and operate the brewing system and, and run the bar. And so we'll kind of be like a glorified landlord. We'll run a food hall and curate and lease out the spaces. That's how it got started. And uh, now we own the food hall, one of the restaurants, the brewery and the bar, and we have a full liquor and cocktail bar. And... <laughs> So it, it, it really grew over time, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And so what we originally set out to have a shop and a showroom for my furniture. Now I own a restaurant, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so, but I mean, to me, that that journey is exciting and it's fun. To my wife, it's terrifying and stressful and overwhelming. But, you know, I mean, we kind of took who we were and uh, kind of brought it to the, to the community, to the to the CRA, to other business leaders and advisors and just said, okay, help, help us find a way to, what, what, what's going to work well with what we have and what we can cultivate and be a part of here. And, you know, being willing to kind of morph your vision a little bit and, and kind of roll with the punches uh, is, I think has been very helpful. Well, that's, that's a great piece of advice because, you know, you, you have entrepreneurs um, who, who tend, you know, you have some who, you know, have the vision, 
and they're going to accomplish that vision no matter what, you know, and just right. tear down or roll through every wall that, that comes mm-hmm. up and get to where they're trying to get to. Even um, if it kills me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and then you have your perspective, which is, hey, well, we wanted to this, but the opportunity has kind of moved over here a little bit. Let me just shift and and roll with the waves, you know, to get into the California um, talk. And um yeah, I, I think that's fantastic, and and it really sounds like um, you've got a great business going over there, and and um, you know you've had that natural growth because you went from from being a landlord to now owning the restaurant and the brewery and the bar and you know the several of the, of the entities within. So tell me, um, in in kind of rolling through that that process from start from when you got started as a landlord and then. Mm-hmm. ended up acquiring some of those businesses. What challenges did you run across that pushed you in that direction or that opened those doors? Uh, none. We didn't have any challenges at all. <laughs> Smooth as silk, no. right? Yeah. Uh, easy peasy. Um, so we, we signed our lease on the place uh, in September of 2018. Uh, we were setting out, we were trying to push for a 12-month renovation and open, and we did it in 16 months. Uh, so we opened January 20th of 2020 and we were open 40 something days and then we hit COVID. So it was, yeah, just in those 16 months, I, I mean, I could spend an, I could spend a day walking through every like hurdle and challenge and every point where it felt like, okay, this whole thing is ruined. Mm -hmm. Um, probably a dozen times it seems like, uh, but we just kept reshaping a little bit and reformatting. Um, we, we, we were trying to find a, uh, the right fit for a brewer. We were very close with, with a pretty big brewer in town. They're called Copper Tail. Um, ultimately when it came down to it, the board voted against, um, signing the lease and moving forward because I think they, they really wanted to brand the whole thing as a Copper Tail brewery instead of primarily the food hall and then be a space inside it. And I understood that. And, um, then, then we were working with another local brewing company called Grove Roots Brewing. Uh, they're in Winter Haven, which is in our county, and that was going to be an expansion for him. And we're huge fans of his beer and his business and his brewery over in Winter Haven. Uh, but then it, when it came down to like actually moving forward with it, they were in the process of, of uh, under his wife's name, opening a distribution company. And I think they were having another baby and... Um, and just too many things happening at the same time. And he just couldn't stomach the new location at that moment. So we were encouraged by him and many others to just, why don't you guys get the licensing and take on the bar? You know, it's a great community. We'll help you, you know, we'll help you get going. We'll help you find the right brewers. Like it it just seems like, you know, like a co-opetition kind of a thing where, you know, it's like a a good community of, of, of uh, fellow business owners. And they, they were encouraging us to take up, take it on ourselves. So I think it was like four months before we opened that we decided, okay, we're going to own the brewery and the bar. So now we got to find another, I don't know, six figures of how much money after we'd spent everything we had. I mean, my wife and I were not rich coming into this. We sold our house to fund it. And then uh, we had to take on partners and find additional grants. And then we ended up getting some tenant improvement money because we have a land lease on the building. We don't own the building. So we have a land lease and then we, we ended up getting the uh, the landowners to uh, to add into the first term of the lease and tenant improvement money that got paid back to them at an interest rate. So the whole thing was a puzzle. 
just getting open. And so instead of just, you know, finding tenants, we were now going to own the bar and the brewery. Um, somewhere around, I want to say like, maybe it was August or September of 2019, uh, the, the um, construction company that we had um, filed for bankruptcy. Oh, gosh. Yeah, and I think uh, it was a third-generation large construction company here in town who does huge projects all over the Southeast, and they were even growing in North Carolina, and uh, um, they he'd purchased some furniture from me, that, uh, the current owner, for one of his offices up north, so I had a relationship with him, and uh, they uh, it's a long story. I think one of them is actually in jail or going to go to jail. I, Anyway, so we had to change construction companies towards the end, and I had to try to salvage the relationships with all the subs who were halfway done and make sure that they were made whole on what they were owed and yeah. would finish the job. And um, I mean, just so many hurdles in between it. Then we opened in, on January 20th, and it just took a village to get something like this open. There's so many, you know, inspections and licenses and permits, um, and, permits yeah. and things to get close and and you know, it was, it was literally the day that we were doing our first private event and we had the fire marshal in there saying, you don't have a voice, uh, what do they call it? Like a voice speaker system. It just has the alarm going. And that was the system that was in there before. But since we had increased the capacity, we, we passed a threshold to now where we had to have a voice saying, there's a fire, get out of the building instead of just the alarm. Yeah, it's and, like people don't know what that alarm means. You right, got to know like, right? Yeah, and there were like 200 people on our front patio waiting to come in and the fire marshal saying we can't let them in. And I'm going, well, what am I going to do? I mean, it's like down to the wire all over oh the place. Oh, my gosh. And then we open and then we uh, we hit COVID like 40 days later and we basically had to shut down. And, you know, our revenue model was based on collecting rent from restaurants and then selling alcohol at the bar. And, you know, when we opened our doors, um, we still had like, I don't know, 60 or $80,000 in um, construction invoices coming in. And we were like drained down because we were stocking up on inventory and last minute purchases and this and that. And it just goes, starts going so fast. Um, And then all of a sudden, what, what, what was the first thing to dry up in COVID was restaurants couldn't pay rent. And nobody was buying alcohol at bars because you couldn't go out. Yeah. So our two streams of revenue completely dried up. So we had no income. And we had like, I don't know, fifty to $80,000 in expenses every month. And it was just like, how the hell are we going to do this? Um, and then all, a lot of the initial COVID support was based off of your 2019 numbers. Yes. Mm-hmm. So which, which we didn't, didn't have any. We didn't have any. And so we, we had nothing to really prove that on, but we were an established business because we had to start our business to, you know, to fund all of the construction. So we had right. a legal business, but we had no revenue. Um, so that was a big challenge. We, we ended up working with um, a local bank who was very helpful in walking us through the process. And they were really an advocate for us putting together the package to present a case to get some PPP money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, having, having the relationship with the local bank made a huge difference for us when it came to the PPP and government funding and all that stuff. That, anyway, that's kind of the, the journey to get open. And then one of the restaurants, um, most of them shut down initially for like a little bit. And then we figured out how we could reopen and try to gear towards like takeout and things like that. 
ultimately one of them who just, it was their second location. It got to be May and they couldn't come back. And we were, we were wanting to add something healthy into the space. We felt it really needed it um, for, for the overall cohesiveness and, and what we could offer in the food hall. Uh, so it's hard to find someone who's willing to open a new location in the middle of COVID and then to find someone to open like something healthy and fresh and but still flavorful. Um, that was even harder. So ultimately, we decided to do it ourselves. And so we opened one of the restaurants. So now we have a restaurant, the bar and the whole space. And I'm ready. for Wow. That. Wow. Mm. You're making me tired just hearing that story. Yeah. That's a <laughs> You know, yeah. it's, it's, um, man, you guys had to get through some emotional strain and, um, yeah, for sure. and stress and financial stress to, to get, mm-hmm. get this project pulled off. And, and, but, you know, it looks like after all of that pain and agony, uh, that you're on the other side now. And it, yes, we turned our first month in the black in March of this year. Wow. So yeah, and and you're right. All of those things are true. It's been the hardest two years of my life. I'm 43, definitely the hardest two years of my life. But also at the same time, it's been some of the most fun I've ever had, and and most excitement. My wife would say it's the most terrifying two years of her life, and she would like to go back into her turtle shell and never come out. Yes, yes. Now is she still um, in her other job or is is she full time? No, she she left her job in late 2017 and we were just um, living on the furniture company. Mm -hmm. And um, she left because we were going to start to pursue doing something along these lines here in town. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah, yeah, she was, she was all in at that point. Mm -hmm. You had no, you had no really no income stream to fall back Mm -hmm. on or or anything. No. And the furniture company was trying to sustain us. And I mean, we really leveraged our ability to get good furniture into the joinery and and cool stuff. And so we made all that basically for cost. So I had like a year where the bulk of our work was not really profitable work. So yeah, it was a, it was a tough year, two years, three years, whatever. Yeah. Now, how has, have you been able to, um, I guess, I guess build customers and, and grow the furniture business as well uh, by having supplied all that? Is that, a, is that been a good showroom for you or how are you kind of making that work? Yeah, I, that's a great question. Um, and that, that's kind of up in the air right now. I, I took, so most of the, uh, most of the revenue that we had from the furniture company came from online sales. Mm-hmm. Um so I would probably say 90% of what we sold would ship out of state. Um, and we just make it, put it on a freight truck and ship it out. Uh, and, and we started getting a lot of like kind of larger local kind of build outs where we would do more like kind of office suites, like a desk, a huge conference table, some, you know, unique pieces over here, custom installation of this. And uh, so that work became overwhelming on top of the work of the joinery. So I, I put the the online store on pause and I just, I'll take some some work as people will reach out to me, but I'm real mm-hmm. selective on on what I'll take, especially if it's out of state yeah. and even locally. So I'm taking a few things locally and taking some things out of state. I also had a, a couple of guys who worked for me for a long time who kind of moved on and started doing their own thing. So it's one of those where I love having my shop and I love the capacity of my shop and I don't have any debt on it and I don't want to get rid of it. It's very it's it's very affordable to keep it as it is. I'm taking enough work to keep it, the guys who are there busy enough and uh, just kind of ke- keeping that on cruise while we sort of normalize yeah. for a little bit. Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense because you can only split yourself so many ways. 
Um, and, you know, the, the, the corporate word, at least it used to be when I was in the corporate world, was bandwidth. You know, we only have so much mm-hmm. bandwidth and, and so much capability. Some people are better than others at multitasking and, and taking mm-hmm. on, you know, all these different projects. Um, but, you know, you had your hands full. You and your wife yeah. both had your hands full. So that's yeah. certainly yeah. understandable. But I, I'm sure it's beautiful, and I can't wait to, to – you know, one day maybe be able to get over to Lakeland and yeah. uh, and roll through there and, and check out kind of what you guys have built and, and what you've done. Um, yeah, so how's the how's the restaurant piece doing? How's the restaurant business itself? Is it has it come uh, on like you want? Yeah. So the restaurant element, it, you know, it's a it's a um, it's healthy and fresh food. So it's you know a little bit more expensive of a restaurant to run. Um, it's a little labor intensive and fresh foods are a little bit more expensive, uh, you know, when you're buying a lot of organic and locally sourced things. Yeah. Uh, so our, our goal for, the, for that restaurant space in there was, uh, it's a value add overall. So we didn't expect that element to be the highest grossing restaurant in the space, but we're doing well. We're in the black from, for that, from that revenue stream in and of itself. So we kind of run it like, where we have the restaurant revenue stream, we kind of have the house, which is like a landlord sort of overview. And then we have the bar and we treat those internally like tenants of the parent LLC, you mm-hmm. know, for our P&Ls and all that. And, and ultimately we'll be firing the brewery up. We haven't brewed any beer yet because all the revenue dried up like right after we got open. Right. And so now we're only beginning to recover. So ultimately we'll run the brewery as another P&L. But yeah, the restaurant's in the black and and it's doing well and it's, we've got great feedback on it. Um, and I think it's really adding something great to the space for somebody who wants something, you know, healthy and fresh. Um, yeah. And the bar is doing well, that's in the black. And then the house is finally in the black as well. So, Well, you, uh, you guys have definitely turned, turned the corner and um, hopefully your wife is sleeping a little better. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, she uh, is. And you know, our goal was never to be like full-time operations in this thing. And we yeah. just kind of had to do it. And when you, when we hit COVID, um, you know, we had to let everybody go because we didn't have any, any money and we had to lay everyone off so that they could get unemployment. Right. And so it was literally my wife and I, we would go in, we were the housekeepers. We would unlock the doors in the morning. We would sit behind the bar and sell a growler of beer to somebody who wanted to take, you know, some beer home. Mm-hmm. And we were just together in the space all the time, you know, pulling everything. And that's, you know, that's when I really realized that I'd fallen in love with bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, um, but I can appreciate it. it for, for me, it's tequila. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got a little uh, Mexican influence from my my uh, my wife, who's from Mexico City. So uh, oh, nice. I, I adopted a, a, a taste over the years now for tequila. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah. beer is a great chaser. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, we're, we're going down to Oaxaca in October just to get a little brie there, so. Yeah. And, and have you, have you got, have you been able to, at this point, you know, get some help or, or start to develop some, some, uh, some other leaders within the, oh, the yeah, overall definitely. business? Yeah, we have, um, yeah, the structure is, uh, and Sarah's been able to, that's my wife, Sarah, she's been able to step out of the daily operations um, kind of at the end of, of March of this year. Um, but now when, before we opened, we hired a director of operations who had a lot of experience with a, a large restaurant group in Tampa and even at another food hall. Uh, so she came on as our director of operations. 
Um, and then we have a director of brand experience who is helping with the brand voicing, um, whether it be through our social media platforms or uh, just the, the, the decor inside, keeping us on brand, keeping us elevated, keeping the, the brand experience um, at the highest possible level that we can get it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we have for the restaurant, we have um, a chef cuisine. So she's the head chef of the restaurant. She's kind of managing that whole restaurant unit. Um, and then our director of operations also has a lot of bar experience. So she's kind of bar managing right now. So I, I work on site probably between 30 and 40 hours a week at the joinery. Um, and, and then our, our director of ops is there full time. Uh, the brand experience girls there full time. And we have um, we've subbed out some of our social media work. So we have um, an, a third party company is helping us kind of keep up with all those platforms and communication. Uh, we have a total of um, just under 30 employees right now. Wow. So yeah, we're, we're back, back to full staff. And that Oops. was kind of a gradual process from May or June of last year through the end of the year. I think by the end of last year, we were back to full staff. That's awesome. That, that's an awesome uh, story of recovery um, and, and <laughs> yeah. coming coming really from the almost the depths of hell. You know, yeah, it's kind that's of what probably it what like. it felt like. Yeah, yeah it sounds like definitely. It. Yeah. And and I can appreciate it because I've been in, in a similar place, not with the same kind of um, not the exact same situation. But when you got all your money at risk and uh, yeah, and and it's you know yeah it's pretty much gone and it's you know it 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 will definitely freak out a person and yes. uh uh it makes it it makes it really challenging but you got stuck um you found a way through it you mentioned uh earlier having a a, a local bank relationship which i think is great advice for all of our listeners mm -hmm. um you know if you haven't started to develop and cultivate a, a local bank relationship yeah. start now you know even well yeah. before you open because, right. um, and then especially if you don't need money now, that's the best time to start because once, right. if you try to start when you need it, you're, you're done. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that's, a, that's one thing I never had really appreciated until we did the joinery was the relationship with a local bank. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it, it's just like, it's like anything, you know, you, you look at QuickBooks online accounting software, it's great, but it doesn't fit every nook and cranny of the nuance of every business, right? right. Um, and just like that with banking, it's we found such a similarity. Like I've always been with the, the big Bank of America in all my music career and all that because they were everywhere and we could make cash deposits from merch. Yeah, yeah and the, the online stuff and I run payroll through that and blah, 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 all this stuff. Um, so I, I liked the, uh, the, just the features of having a national bank because we had a business where we were traveling nationally and internationally. So I think that made sense for us at that point. Uh, but when it came to the joinery and um, it, just the different revenue models and how it's set up, you know, where, where we have, I almost think like we have a little bit of um, like, it's a little diversified because we have some rental income, we have some alcohol sales and we have some restaurant sales. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, it's, it's got some nuance to it. It's not just a, a, a one shape sort of a business. So when it came time to, to needing to get across the finish line after we'd already been having this relationship with this local bank, um, it was easy to find the guys who are higher up in the smaller bank to, to really take a manual underwriting perspective and look at the actual risk. Um, 
you know, that, that's what a loan is all about is, is, is the risk assessment and, and yep. is it a loan they could write? And on paper, it might be different than, than understanding the community, the concept, the, the, the diversification of the revenue streams and being able to really look at that risk and help you get across the finish line and kind of buying in with you for the community because the local bank is also part of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a much more community-focused mentality. They know what the CRA is why those funds were put into this project. They know the development that's going in behind the joinery with 300 apartments and this office building that's getting built with like 500 people going to be working in it. I mean, so, you know, they can factor those things in the way that, um, you know, a larger bank can't because it just, that information doesn't fit on an application for an extra 50,000 to get across your finish line. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and those things can make all the difference. So I, I think that that was a huge factor in, in getting the joinery open and getting through COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two major obstacles there that you guys have had to go through early and uh, mm-hmm. goodness, we're just, we're just 2021, man. <laughs> yeah. I know. You're just barely out of it basically. I know. Then- I know. You know, it's you know, COVID's still trying to poke its head out and, and create some create some challenges and some potential hardships in the future. Hopefully that won't happen. Um, like whack-a-mole. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It just keeps popping back up. Um, but uh, you know, we certainly we certainly hope that we can avoid as much as as much or all that as possible, just from a health uh, standpoint as well as from business, mm-hmm. because None of us want to do that again. Um, right. You know, I would agree. Frankly, and restaurant industry definitely has been hurt, and you know it's created challenges. Um, we have we haven't really talked about, but but facing the industry as a whole, you know, staffing has been an issue. You're mm-hmm. you're pretty much fully staffed right now, so that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, around the country, that's not the case, and you know, right. in a lot of the traditional restaurants, it's, it's a big issue affecting hours and days open mm-hmm. and, and things like that, and then the food shortages and, and rising food costs, you know, are, mm-hmm. are making an impact. Um, and the increase in the minimum wage coming too. Yep. Like all of those things are factoring in. Yep. Yep. Exactly. It's, it's just so many different hurdles to jump that as a, as a business owner, you've, you know, you can curse about it and stomp your feet and do everything you want to do, but you can't necessarily change it. And uh, right. I mean, you can work toward that with other people, but uh, you got to find a way, find a way around it. And, um, you know, I think being, being, being able to shift and job and, and kind of uh, mm-hmm. be creative and mm-hmm. you're creative, obviously you're a musician, you're a, you're a craftsman. Uh, I'm just and, a drummer. I'm not a musician, but. And, and, an, and an entrepreneur. <laughs> hey, I didn't, I didn't know that didn't count. <laughs> that <doesn't> count. <laughs> I'm not an artist either. I just run big machines. It's fun. Oh man. That's, take take that's, rough wood and sand it that's down. Something. Well, it's so you're not Tim, the tool man, Taylor, huh? You remember him? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, well, not quite. I don't know what made me thought think of that. But. I still I still have all my fingers. I'm not quite. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'm showing my age probably. But uh, hey, let me ask you this. Um, yeah. Kind of a, a heading toward wrap up because um, again, well, we've been talking for a while, and I appreciate you sharing that story because I know it's mm-hmm. I know it's you know you didn't. I know there's emotion in there because, you know, as you start oh, yeah. thinking back through all that and the, the pain and challenges that, that you guys and struggles you went through. But mm-hmm. um, when you look at the business today, uh, one of the things I like to ask owners is, uh, especially in the restaurant space or uh, even overall in different business units you have, uh, 
how do you how do you kind of measure success um, for your business? Are, are you looking at sales totals? You know, are you looking at um, I mean, kind of what are the metrics that, that you look for? And it's I'm just curious more than anything mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm trying to get a sense of of kind of how and every business seems to have a little bit different answer. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I think for my wife and I in doing this, um, the bottom line had to be there and it had to make sense, but that's not the driver, right? The, the driver is quality of life, is enjoying the work that we do. It's it's finding, you know, kind of what we're created to do and bringing that to light in our own community. Um, and f- so for us, for Sarah, it's she's very design and vision oriented. And for me, I'm a doer and a builder and a, a fearless implementer. Like I'll just go, go do it. Um, so, so the two of us together, um, we're just, we're able to, to bring something like this to our community and, and, and to us, like the design and the, and the curation of the tenants and the experience of the space. And, um, those are the, those are the driving forces, I think. So what, what I love is, is, um, just the enjoyment of the work. Um, so my, my metric is, is, are we, are we doing something that we think is great? Mm-hmm. So th- that's how I feel successful. If the bottom line has to be there. Like, okay, we're profitable. Yeah, great. Okay. But are we doing something that we love and that we're excited about and, and that we're enjoying? And that to me is the measure of success. Um, but as far as like the metrics that we're looking at, yeah, I mean, it's different for the bar. It's different for, you know, the house as like a, a landlord and it's different for the restaurant. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously we're watching the top line revenue. Um, those are, those are our metrics because we had some sales goals that we set out to hit originally. And then, and then it just, everything went to hell with COVID and had no idea. And I don't even know if we're back to where we ultimately will be or what. I, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, man, we're watching our cost of goods, especially on the food side with trying to buy healthy, organic and grass fed, mm-hmm. you know, meat and all that that's kind of stuff. Be, like that. That's got to be crazy priced right now. Yeah. And, and trying to watch that in our labor and then um, just keep ourselves from losing money. Uh, and then pricing like it, like, I think we're going to hit a little bit of a price increase this fall just because we have to, the cost of goods is going up and the cost of labor is going up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's harder to find good people who want to stay. So you need to, you need to pay them. You need to honor the good work that they're doing and, and be able, excuse me, to pay them more. Um, but there's gotta be revenue to be able to do that. Uh, and, you know, and I'm sure it's like this in any business, but, you know, just to open our doors, we have expenses that go to here. Right. And then if our sales are, you know, a million a year versus 500,000 a year, the difference in labor is like this, right? But everything else stays the same. So really it's like in that upper, you know, push where you really see that profitability because you have a lot of costs that are fixed, you know, property yeah. taxes, insurances, um, you know, our, our lease, any debt liabilities that you have. Uh, I mean, there's so many things are just fixed. Utilities, like, goodness. I've never seen a $9,000 utility bill. Until oh my this. gosh. It's like in, in the summer, 12,000 square feet in trying seven to restaurants. It, trying to get it heated in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cooled off in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I meant. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, those things, those expenses don't change. So we kind of have our, our break even points and it's like, okay, if we can just keep the sales here and higher, 
uh, that's where we're really going to see um, the profitability come. So, so we have those thresholds that we're watching, uh, you know, in, each for the bar and for uh, the restaurant industry and or the restaurant itself. Um, for everybody else, we kind of have our structure is that there's a base rent versus a percentage of sales. So when overall we're doing well, the house increases as well. So That's we've been great. above that threshold now since uh, March and later on all fronts. Are you guys, um, are the, the tenants that you have, and I just thought of this question as, as you mentioned that, but are, are they co-op, are you co-opting them on the marketing piece? Um, are they, you know, how, how are you structuring that? I guess is my yeah, question. that's a great question. So, so each of them are their own business within the joinery, but mm -hmm. the joinery markets the space as a whole. So part of their, you know, they pay rent in CAM, which is common area maintenance. And that looks a lot differently in a situation like the joinery where it's like food hall than it would in a strip mall. In a strip mall, you know, your common area maintenance is like parking lot, cleaning up, painting the buildings, trash services, you know, those kind of things. Whereas in the joinery, it's furniture and fixtures, it's front of house staff that gets shared for, for CAM. It's uh, a lot of the utilities that get used by all of the customers. Right. It's marketing for the space as a whole. It's to put on events at the joinery to bring people in. So, you know, their CAM is as much, if not sometimes, some cases more than the base rent, just to cover their portion of the expenses of running the facility as a whole. Um, so yeah, there's, there's some marketing dollars that's built into our CAM budget. And uh, so we do market the joinery and, and through our social media platforms and our marketing uh, outlets, we try to, to um, share evenly amongst the tenants. Like, you know, if we're doing yeah. a post on this restaurant, you know, we'll make sure we hit everybody else as close as we can before we hit that one again with something significant. If somebody's got something special going on, we try to work that in. So, yeah, it's very collaborative in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that's great. I appreciate you sharing that. It, it's mm -hmm. uh, it. It's a curious business model to me, and, and yeah, it's very, it's very unique. Yeah, yeah, it's it's different, and it's uh, you know, and it's not like like my business, um, which is a whole lot more simple. And and I'm here from you know, I've got my own thing, and I do my marketing, and and that's it. But yeah. but in a shared space like that, I and I get you know, I guess that model probably came from the malls and strip centers, like you mm -hmm. said, and all those other mm -hmm. places in the past. So really cool. Well. Um, well, I want to I want to move us toward toward wrapping up and, and the sure. the information you've shared has just just been amazing and uh, I'm sure our audience is going to love it and uh, eat it up um, and hopefully find some uh, golden nuggets in there that are that are really uh, pertinent to to each of you that are listening uh, to help you along along your path and and I'll just ask Jonathan um, you know kind of to to maybe think about a couple of words of wisdom or, or advice ideas, you know, for any of the, any of our new entrepreneurs or people that are still standing at the precipice, uh, hesitant, but wanting to take that first step, you know, mm -hmm. kind of, kind of what would you share with, with, with those folks? Um, and I didn't prep you for this, so this is off the no, cuff, okay. but uh, what would you share with them? And, and, you know, maybe one or two pieces of advice you might give. Yeah. Okay. I've got, um, First of all, I would say, get your personal finances in order. Get out of debt. Don't go into debt. Uh, don't live beyond your lifestyle. Live below your means. Learn to tell your money on a personal level where to go rather than wondering where it went. Um, have a, an emergency fund if you're going to be an entrepreneur. Have you know four to six months of living expenses set aside that you don't touch. Don't live on credit cards. Don't do car payments. Don't lease cars. 
you know, don't don't do those kinds of things that can get taken away from you if you hit a financial crisis on your personal level. So that's the first thing I would say. That is going to give you the the most peace of mind. It's going to give you peace at home. It's going to give you that shalom that where you can go out and you can murder it out there because you you know that you're doing okay on the home front. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will give your your family peace of mind. And when your family has peace and is supportive of you dealing with the stress that you might be dealing with, uh, that that's going to pay dividends. So that would be the first and foremost piece of advice: is get your own house in order. And uh, second one would be start before you're ready. You're never going to be fully ready. Um, you can't prepare well enough to not make mistakes. Um, you have to learn to recognize that um, things that didn't work out how you planned does. When when that happens, that doesn't mean you made a mistake. It just means that the results won't, weren't what you anticipated. And so be willing just to go back and rethink it. Um, you know, we set out to have a, a furniture shop in a showroom. Yeah. And now I have now I have a food hall, a bar, and a restaurant. Um, but I didn't fail at opening a shop in a showroom. I just, the vision morphed and changed depending on the opportunities that were in front of me. Yeah. Uh, the next thing I would say would be... Um, Wisdom is found in the counsel of many. So, so find those people who you want to surround yourself with who are a little bit further upstream than you in many areas of life, whether that be personal finance, whether that be um, fa- a healthy family, whether that be spiritually, whether that be in business. But, but surround yourself with people who you can go to on all fronts, on a personal mm-hmm. front, on a business front, just on an emotional health front. Um, and, and live in community and, and share your journey and your life as openly and honestly with those people as you can, because you're going to need them. I have never needed my friends and my mentors more in my life than I have in the last two years. And uh, I just, I can't stress enough the value of those things. I think that's wow. pretty much what wow, I would say. That, that's awesome. I, I, I was taking notes as you were talking. I'm going to go back and make sure I, I capture those. because that was I think very, you're recording it. So. Yeah, yeah, that was very succinct and, and actually really good advice and some things that, that um, you know, I think all of our audience will appreciate and, and should take, um, not, not into consideration, but should do. Um, you know, do as Jonathan says in this case and, and get your house in order and, um, you know, before you start. So again, thank you so much, Jonathan. I, I just yeah. want to give you a, a, another plug. We're talking about the joinery at uh, 640 East Main Street, Lakeland, Florida. Got the address right, didn't I? You did. Uh, and the website is thejoineryLKLD.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming L-K-L-D. that's... L-K-L-D. That's the Lakeland, buddy. Yeah, I, I figured that's what that was. L-K-A-D. Yep. Don't forget the L-K-A-D. Um L-D. And so we've been here today with Jonathan Bucklew, um, the co-founder, he and his wife, Sarah. Sarah's not with us today, but uh, thank you, Sarah, for uh, allowing him the opportunity to come on here and talk to us. Uh, We we appreciate all that you've been through. And uh, thank you again for being here today, Jonathan. We appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, Yeah, good luck with the podcast. Thank thank you. Thank you. And, yeah. and for all our listeners, uh, thank you for joining us again for this, this episode of the Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Johnson, uh, wishing you a great afternoon, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Local Leaders Podcast. You can find us at www.jeffzpodcast.com or jeffzjohnson.com. 
And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to come back every Monday and Wednesday for our next episode.